Welcome to the year-end episode of Metals Meltdown, a monthly podcast brought to you by the good people at Platts. I'm Chris Davis, Associate Editorial Director for Metals in the Americas, and joining me for this holiday-themed fireside chat are a few of my favorite jolly old elves. That would be Mr. Mistletoe himself, European Steel Editor Peter Brennan over in London. Hello. And China Editorial Director Sebastian, who spiked the eggnog, Lewis. Hello, boys. Ho, ho, ho. Season's greetings. Yeah, you're in London too this time, right, Seb? Home for the holidays? Yes, that's right. Back over the holiday season. All right, well, welcome back. Well, tis the season for all things joyous and merry, but it's hardly felt that way for the metals industry this year. Prices for finished steel and most inputs have fallen as steadily as a winter snowstorm, and customers have been about as interested in buying material as kids are in munching on a piece of holiday fruitcake. I don't think anybody likes that stuff. You guys have fruitcake abroad, don't you? We call it Christmas cake over here. Yeah, we just drown it with cream and then it's fine. Well, that still sounds pretty gross, but I'll leave you with that. But the Yuletide, at least from a pricing momentum perspective, has seemingly turned in recent weeks. Perhaps hoping for a Christmas miracle, Santa, I mean U.S. Sheet Mills, announced a round of $40 price increases earlier in December. Domestic plate mills, while slightly less ambitious, raised their price of $30 a short ton as well. For plate, it was the first round of mill hikes since May, as producers appear to be trying to put a floor on pricing that's fallen by about $200 a short ton in 2015. And for sheet, it's been the first sign of upward pricing momentum in months, as hot rolled coil continues to languish like Jacob Marley's ghost, well under $400 a short ton, sitting around 374 last I checked. Scrap prices have rallied of late, as U.S. mills looking to secure January commitments from dealers were paying higher prices than average early December settlements. Platts recently raised its U.S. shredded assessment to 180 to 190 a long ton, delivered Midwest Mill. That's up about $10. And I hate to be a Scrooge here, but the price increases have yet to gain traction, and demand remains weak in the U.S. What's it like over in Europe, Peter? Mills have tried some increases there too, haven't they? Hi, Chris. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing I don't like Christmas metaphors, as you've used up pretty much everyone, every single present in the sacks over there. Um, but but uh, you're right, it's been, a, it's been a terrible last half of the year for the steel mills. I think Q3 ArcelorMittal's European division wrote down the value of its inventories by 256 million euros, while Tata's UK division as well revealed a further £860 million impairment charge. But the empire is striking back. I thought I'd pop in a, a different cultural reference in this podcast. But the European rep mills are, are cautiously trying to push the market up. The Italian producer Marchigallia really kicked things off a few weeks ago with a 20 euro increase in an acknowledgement that imports are far less competitive, while the gap with the north of the continent had grown unnecessarily large. As a result, we've had the mills in Germany and the Benelux responding with a you know, tentative 30 euro rise of their own while another major player has withdrawn all of the offers that they previously had in the market in the hope of negotiating some higher prices. But, you know, the same as in America, buyers are getting used to that trick of steelmakers announcing price rises to stop further declines. And while much of the supply chain want the market to move up, that supply-demand fundamental balance is, you know, it still won't allow that, probably. The real indication of the potential damage to be done to the major mills in 2016 was the settling of the automotive contracts for next year at a 60 euro discount compared to a year ago. That's going to hurt even if the automotive volumes are performing strongly, as they have been. I think companies without that big contract business are having an even tougher time. There was the Hungarian producer Dunafer currently asking the government for support, 
while Turkish long steelmaker Nursan has halted production, and the country's largest alloy steel producer, Asil Celik, has halted production at its largest section, Rolling Mill. Well, thanks, Peter. But what's been going on in Asia, Seb? It looks like seaborne iron ore has yet to see much of an upward swing, although the 62% Platts Iodex is back over $40, CFR North China, last I saw today. That's still about half the price at the beginning of the year, no? Yeah, price is a signal. And with oversupply on the seaborne market and demand pretty weak, well, I think that tells you all you need to know about that $40. I think more generally this year, look, you know, demand has been weak. And you've seen mills cutting production, which is going to further weaken that demand. On the supply side, you know, I think many smaller iron ore producers have stayed in the market longer than people think. I think the bigger mines have been very good at reducing costs. Finally, they started listening to their shareholders and thought, look, we need to you know, reduce a lot of cost. And the decline in the oil price has also, I think, affected mining costs quite heavily. Generally speaking, all the decline in these commodities has been deflationary across the board, lower cost, which means you know, lower marginal pricing. But I think more generally, when we go to the steel markets, output has been falling. You know, mills have been cutting production and even idling some facilities. But with demand falling even faster and with the winter well underway, I think it's hard to see much cheer as we go into 2016 over here in Asia and in China. That said, here there's been an uptick in prices recently too. Domestic hot roll coil actually went up $30 a tonne over the last week or two. Rebar a bit less, about $7, but even that came off a little. You know, supply is, is tight here. Inventories are low. I mean, see today, the Chinese Iron Steel Association said inventories have been destocking for the last eight months. So inevitably, at a certain point, we're going to see a bit of an uptick in the prices. But I think with rumours of further production cuts, we go into the winter, mills have been kind of trying to raise those prices. And we are seeing that on the export market as well. So if you look at export HRC, with very strong domestic prices or prices rising, mills are actually raising their offers. And we are seeing deals done at these levels, but generally I think Asian traders are kind of reluctant to take these prices. I want to see if they're really sustainable before placing orders. Generally, I think people don't really see this as a kind of very sustainable rally. And I think, you know, on balance, they're probably right. It's hard to see much more good news coming out of China as we go into 2016, especially with the winter underway, where generally demand for the construction sector is weaker. Yeah, it's uh, not good news out there. One thing we've been talking about in, uh, in the CIS in Europe is this rebate for chromium possibly being removed on Chinese exports. That would really impact the billet market around the world and also, you know, rebar, obviously. Uh, what, what's the latest with that? The chromium rebar you're referring to actually gets exported under a generic alloy code. Mm. And we see that for longs, we see that for HRC, and so we see that for semis as well. Although actually most semis are going out as longs anyway, as alloy longs. It's very difficult to second-guess the Chinese government on this one. Mm. Generally, they signal it a bit better. I mean, certainly, I think mills are more reluctant to take bookings because if they did bring in that reduction on January the 1st, as is often the case when they do these things, I think those traders would have to be sharing some of that cost increase with the mills. And I think there is a bit of reluctance in that sense. But, you know, it's very hard to know what will happen. Will they make a separate HS code for chromium steel like they did for chromium steel, like they did for boron, in which case mills have probably put some other metal in and export under the old alloy codes? Will they reduce the rebate a little bit? Will they actually remove the rebate totally? It's anyone's guess. I mean, if they did that, I think it would have a major impact on the industry. Mm. And, you know, if history is any guide, the Chinese tend to be very cautious in these sort of things. So my suspicion is it's more chat than reality. But hey, you know, you never can tell with China. We could be on for a surprise come January the 1st. Well, I think that puts a bow on this. 
the 8th Metals Meltdown podcast and final episode for 2015. It's been a difficult year for the metals industry, but now it's on to 2016, and the hope of a new year just maybe brings hope for our industry and its participants as well. We appreciate the loyal listeners who have joined us here each month and provided enough of a following that Platts continues to give us this platform, at least for the foreseeable future. To those of you celebrating later this week, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. And to everyone, Happy Holidays. We wish you a healthy and prosperous New Year. Stay solid.